because COVID is going to kill you. And then Cosmopolitan's like, you know what? Just because you put on 100 pounds in quarantine, you're still healthy. You're a model of health. Welcome to the Punching Down Podcast with your host, Danny Polischuk. Okay, we are back. Episode 40 of the Punching Down Podcast, the first episode of 20. 21 happy new year uh everybody i know it's been a minute uh since my last episode i was in to catch you up i was in uh florida for the past three weeks basically uh the land of no covid they have it but they just pretend like they don't honestly it's it's uh, florida is really amazing because i was there and they really don't act like COVID exists. You know, they, they're pretty much everything is normal. They wear masks. That is the one thing where I think most people would think that like, at least where I was staying, I was in like North Miami. I was in Tampa for a bit. If anybody who came in, uh, uh, to the show, the, the road rage show in Tampa on December 12th, that was pretty fun. Uh, that was a pretty fun show. I got, pretty wasted that night we got pretty drunk on stage that was super fun we did this cool podcast if you don't know um slash me ryan long did some stand-up i hadn't done stand-up in probably a month it was a good time uh and then we were in tampa for a bit and then went to miami on the other side and yeah like florida basically they they just kind of are living their lives and you would think because you know i talk to people i've like you know lots of my friends in canada and stuff and I tell them in Florida and they're like, oh, really? Like, is it bad there? And, and it's like, no. And it's surprising because for how like cavalier they are about COVID and how, you know, like, like you'd regularly go to a, a bar or like a restaurant. I mean, the fact is like bars and restaurants indoors are open and you'd go there and like, you know, nobody's wearing masks or like the, even the servers wouldn't be wearing masks sometimes or they'd, ha- you know, have them kind of like on lazily, that kind of thing. And everybody would be like, oh, it must be like, you know, must be people are just dropping dead left and right. But you look at the statistics and granted, Florida is worse than places like, you know, New York. It is worse. The percentage of, you know, percentage of positivity rates is worse, but it's not like that much worse. You would expect it to be twice as bad or something, you know, or, or I don't know, like, but it's, it's, it's slightly worse there. And I actually saw uh, an interesting chart or whatever infographic but the amount of so a, a lot of people they they calculate excess deaths because they basically take now granted that's not a perfect not a perfect indication of covid related deaths because all excess deaths are is you know they'll take the last 25 years and they'll be like this pers- you know there's there should be this many deaths on a normal year and they can kind of predict roughly how many people are going to die just based on the average and so the actual excess deaths there aren't really any excess deaths in florida it's it's there like florida is going to have the same amount of deaths they had in 2020 that they essentially had in 2019 roughly now that could be the makeup of the those deaths could obviously be different like you know there might be way less car accidents something like that although i heard that in new york somehow car accidents are like deaths are way higher I don't know. Statistics are, it's hard to, 
it's hard to figure out what's actually going on. And it's pretty easy to just prove exactly what you decide you want to prove from them if, if you manipulate them uh, the way it is. But anyway, so I was down in Florida for three weeks. It was lovely down there. Now I'm back in New York. A lot of people ask me why. I don't know. Um, I was supposed to have a show, some shows in Cincinnati in February, but those I just found out got canceled because of all the COVID restrictions, uh, which is a bummer. So I'm just back in New York for a bit. Uh, I am going away again. I'm not even sure why I'm telling you this, but that is what's what's happening. New York is everything's closed for indoor dining. Everything indoors closed except gyms are open. That's the weird one. It's like they didn't somehow they're like, all right, we're closing all indoor dining. And then we're like, we're not closing gyms, which apparently gyms based on the statistics aren't a big uh, big area of spread, but you think that if they were just going to be like, all right, it's getting really bad, we got to close everything. You think they would have closed gyms, but they didn't. I'm thankful for that. Uh, there's a new strain of COVID. There's an or not strain of COVID, new COVID variant, which they actually just today found uh, in New York. It's almost like a horror movie too, in a sense, because because they found a new new that new COVID variant that was like started in the U- in the UK. Right. And then and the way they like announce it on the news is they're like they found this new uh, COVID in upstate New York, 60 year old man. And they're like, bum, bum, bum. He hasn't traveled in 20 years. Maybe not 20 years, but they're like he hasn't been traveling recently. So he somehow has just so they're they're just like, it's here. Like it is very much movie esque where they're like, sit down. You're going to want to sit down for me to uh, tell you this. The new COVID, it's here, and there's nothing you can do about it. So it's, but it's apparently the vaccine works the same on it. It's just this this variant spreads way quicker. But they do have the vaccine, so I mean that would be a let's hope that doesn't happen where they're like, hey, guess what? The this one spreads fifty to seventy five percent faster, and the vaccine doesn't work on it. That would be what we like to call in the business a worst case scenario. I mean, maybe not worst case scenario. Also, I'm not in any business specifically, but. So there is this new COVID variant. Um, there's uh, that's that's exciting. There's there's a new president coming. That's it's crazy. I mean, I, I think I talked about this the last time, but the 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 frequency with which you hear from Donald Trump or just about Donald Trump has just gone down so much. Or maybe I just don't care as much because you know the election ended, and then I'm not like I'm you know I'm not like one of these stop the steal. People, the stop the steal people. Those those people are going to be kicking for a while. Like if you think January twenty first is going to roll around, I mean, I guess there's a lot of people think that he's not going to give it up. You know, he's he's on January twenty first. He's just going to be like, I'm not leaving. Uh, imagine he doesn't leave. That that would be. I feel like it's possible. Like unlikely, but it's possible. He uh, there there was actually this this. This article, or not article, this this uh, recording that leaked today, which is weird because it's like it's a recording where he knows he's being recorded. It wasn't secretly recorded. Like it's a phone call where he knows it's being recorded. But so it leaked. It was between him and the Georgia Secretary of State. So Georgia has their big election um, on tomorrow. Uh, or is it tomorrow? I think it's tomorrow. Yeah. Or maybe Wednesday. I don't know, but it's soon. It's it's in the next. I think, or maybe the sixth or something. But it, it's in the next two days. Uh, although I think it's tomorrow. Anyways, but it might be today if you're listening to this because it's currently Monday night. But so they have this election. So anyways, Trump called the Georgia Secretary of State, and he's basically on the phone being like, "Yeah, there's no way we lost." And he's like, "I just need you to find eleven thousand votes." 
I was like, what do you mean find 11,000 votes? He's like, we just need 11,000 votes. He's like, there's no way I lost Georgia. And now they have this big election in Georgia, which who knows what's going to happen. I think it'll be a whole lot of nothing. Although from the sounds of it, it seems like it's possible that, I mean, maybe, because they have a weird system in Georgia where you have to win more than 50% of the vote for the Senate. Because the... That's the thing. It's like, and that'll just make the Republicans even more pissed off because they won both seats. But then the rule in Georgia is you can't just win. You have to actually get 50% of the vote. So now they have to do this new vote because neither candidate got actually 57. They got like 49 point something. And then if they now lose, which is possible because Trump is just being totally insane. Uh, Man, those stop the steal people. They're gonna be. They're gonna be like double stop the steal people. They're like, we're doing stop the steal federally. We're doing stop the steal for the state. It's gonna be a fucking shit show. Uh, so, anyways, we'll see what, what goes on with that. I don't really, I don't really care. I guess it, it's interesting to watch. I mean, I feel it's very much Trump's last hurrah before. He, he, he's really pulling out all the stops. You can tell. He, he really... Like, in his mind, if you honestly give him a lie detector test right now and you said, what are the odds of you being the president on January 21st? I bet in his mind, he's like, I don't know, 50%. He probably does think that. And apparently, I, I don't even know what this means, so pardon me when I even bring this up, but I've been reading that all these... They're, they're like, certifying the Electoral College and then all of these like Republican, I don't know, senators, I guess, are like not gonna, are gonna like try and block it. They're gonna try and, so I, I don't know what that means. But if there's a scenario, if if Trump still somehow, like if he really pulls this off, oh man, that, that all that looting, remember all that looting we were expecting all over America? Like all, like my whole neighborhood was boarded up. Like just... Everywhere, just boarded up. The whole the whole fucking city was boarded up, and now it's just like it's like it's nothing. There, there's no boarding. But they're gonna have to reboard everything up if somehow Trump pulls this off. I can't see him pulling it off. But there's still so many people who think that he will. Like all the QAnon people think he's gonna win because like part of QAnon is like he can't lose, right? He has to win. He can't lose. That's part of the QAnon thing. You can't lose. So there's there's those people. I don't know. We'll see. Um, New Year's Eve. It's interesting, New Year's Eve, uh, because so on New Year's Eve, I didn't, I didn't do much. Just went out in Florida, but I saw they had like you know the the New Year's New Year's Eve show, and it was like that Andy Cohen guy and uh, Anderson Cooper, and then Andy Cohen got like blackout drunk on CNN, which is funny that CNN will just be like, here's a guy who's blackout drunk. Like, you, like they're not like, hey, you know what? Like, this is CNN and like, or whatever. This is like kind of like a TV show. So you're like, I guess you are at work, even though it's New Year's. Like, you know how many other people are working on New Year's who are not like, yeah, we're not getting blackout drunk just because it's New Year's because we're working. Um, but anyways, and then Andy Cohen was trying to get Anderson Cooper to do acid. He's like, you ever done acid? Like doing this on CNA, he's like, "You ever done acid?" And Anderson Cooper's like, "No." He's like, "Okay, we're gonna go do some after." I don't think they did. Uh, but then the, the funny thing, because uh, Times Square was empty, obviously because of COVID. Um, and then 
at some point, the mayor de Blasio was there. And like, here's the thing with de Blasio. Nobody likes this guy. Everybody too, like if you're a left-wing person, a right-wing person, a central per- centrist person, in New York City, nobody likes him. He's, everybody hates him. They think he's a fucking idiot. So then he's there. He's telling everybody to stay home. And then he's in Times Square dancing with his wife on TV. It was like, it was just the stupidest thing. Cause unless he's a troll. The only thing I could say is like, unless you're trolling people and you just know everybody hates you and you just want people to hate you more. Like you're like, you know what? I really want to work people up and piss them off. Especially all the people who I've like, you know, whose businesses I've permanently impaired and just everybody who's, you know, maybe lives I fucked up or whatever, everybody who hates me who thinks I'm a clown, just all those people. I want to, you know, I just want to troll them a bit by just having a slow dance with my wife in Times Square on New Year's. So uh, he did that. That pissed off a lot of people that I can see uh, on the internet. But that's what it is. So we got a lot of a lot of CanCon this week. CanCon. I don't know if you know what that is. That's Canadian Canadian content. Um, that's what that is. It's 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 what we call Canadian content. Um, CanCon. So first one. Is, this is for some of my friends actually. This is made me laugh really fucking hard. So uh, my friend Natish Sakuja, very funny comedian. He he posted this. So him and some comedians, some friends, they were supposed to do uh, on New Year's Eve. They they live in Toronto area, and so they were gonna. They had planned to do a New Year's show that was basically in like a party bus. And so the plan was, they pick up the bus. The bus picks all these people up from locations and then it drives down to Niagara Falls which is like you know Niagara Falls everybody knows Niagara Falls one of the wonders of the world I think I think it is one of the wonders of the world and it's going to drive down to Niagara Falls and there's going to be like a show on the bus there's like 30 people totally totally was a violation of the COVID rules which Canada is crazy right now I'm watching I'm not in Canada uh, they're just making it they just locked down the border even further where it's like even harder to go to Canada uh you know, all this, like, everybody hates all the politicians. All the right-wing people think Justin Trudeau's on vacation somewhere in, like, Bahamas. Nobody, like, like if you go on Twitter right now, everybody's like, where's Justin Trudeau? Nobody knows where Justin Trudeau is. And then all the left-wing people are like, yeah, he's, like, in Ottawa or somewhere. And everybody's like, where's Justin Trudeau? And then all the provincial politicians are, like, getting caught going on vacations and shit. And they're, they're getting, having to resign. But anyway, so they did the show. They canceled it. Uh, they canceled the show like before it was ever even to happen. Then they get these over email and Instagram. That that's the craziest thing. Over email and Instagram, they get. Uh, so it was my friend Natish, this other comedian, Big Norm, and uh, another comedian friend of mine, Kevin Soldo. Who Kevin Soldo? We were we were in the movie Filth City together. They get this warning notice from the city of Toronto, delivered via, and it says on it too, via email in Instagram. They get this warning notice. This is what it says. Um, Excuse me. So it says, Reopening Ontario, a flexible response to COVID-19 Act 2020. So I guess that's the the act. Uh, On November 23rd, 2020 at 12.01 a.m. So this was sent over a month. Sounds like there's just a gunshot outside my door, but it might have been fireworks. Who knows? 
I live in New York in the East Village. Um, but it says, on November 23rd, 2020, at 12.01 a.m., the province moved the city of Toronto into stage one lockdown. Uh, so basically, and and that, that means, I don't know what that means exactly. It just means everything's closed. But it feels like it's been like that for months. But so, and then they said, on December 26, 2020, at 12.01 a.m., further amendments came into effect. The province uh, as amended... Man, there's some explosions down the street from here. I imagine they're probably just uh, fireworks. But anyways, who knows? Maybe, maybe someone just got killed. Next week on the Punching Down podcast, was there a murder in my neighborhood? Stay tuned. Bum, bum, bum. I will find out, though, to be honest. Uh, I'll find out if there was a murder, and I'll let you know next week. So anyways, uh, there's all these lockdowns. Um, and then blah, blah, blah. They go into this like legal things, and it says, the city has become aware of a New Year's Eve special event organized and hosted by... This group, based on the information available to the city, including the advertising promoting the event on PA Systems' website and Instagram account, the event is PA Systems' first New York New Year's Eve event, and is called PA's 2021 whatever New Year's. Basically, someone ratted them out, or somehow the city is like, I, like I wonder what it is like if the city's just going online, and like you know they're they're just searching for just events and then you know they just hire somebody like you know just like they have a quarantine officer or whatever and they're just looking for stuff so anyways they found it another explosion on my window definitely next week's going to be a good episode i'm going to sum up whatever all these explosions happening it's probably just some kids shooting off some stuff and it goes as advertised the event includes up to 30 guests on an uncharted on a chartered motor coach bus driving through toronto on december 31st from 6 to 7 45 p.m picking up attendees in downtown toronto and then going uh and then continuing to niagara falls the funniest thing is like they're so worried about spreading a disease and then this event is literally like hey we're gonna pick up a bunch of potentially diseased people and we're gonna transport them to a different city <laughs> and region you could understand how they might not be super pumped about it. Anyways, so they, they go, this is a violation, blah, blah, blah. You were on notice that if you fail to bring your businesses and yourselves in compliance with the our lockdown regulation, you'd be charged with the offense. You were on notice under the act or whatever upon conviction. The court may impose the following fines and penalties. An individual is subject to a fine of not more than $100,000 and for a term of imprisonment of not more than one year. An individual who is an officer or director of a corporation is subject to a fine of not more than $500,000 and imprisonment of not more than one year. And uh, a corporation is subject to a fine of not more than $10 million. There's a minimum fines of 10000 for organizers, blah, blah, blah. Enforcement action may be taken without any further notice. So my friends get this, which, by the way, imagine like you're like, yeah, we, what are you in jail for? Oh, I... Uh, I stabbed somebody. What are you in jail for? Uh, I put on a comedy show on New Year's Eve when it was technically quarantine going on. I got 10 months in jail. I'm sure nobody's actually going to jail for it, but, you know, I don't know. They, 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 they keep the option open. That's, that's for sure. But so they get this notification, and, I mean, probably my favorite part, it's crazy that they even found out about it, but my favorite part is, so Kevin Soldo, uh, my, my, my good friend, he is very much like an anti... He's anti all this stuff. He, he thinks COVID is stupid. 
Uh, he thinks it's an overreaction. Like, he doesn't think it doesn't exist, but he's just like, it's all of this stuff is an overreaction. We shouldn't be giving up all our civil liberties. He's very much like, you know, doesn't like surveillance, all that shit. And then <laughs> his name is on this fucking, like, it's not like they got a business permit. So, you know, they obviously did some snooping into this whole thing. And his name is on this thing. So this is like, he's like what would be called a, you know, a tinfoil hat guy. This probably drove him insane i mean i talked to him i was laughing because he's like i want to fucking sue them i'm like who are you gonna sue and for what sending you a letter like there's nothing but the thing is they canceled the event anyways i'm curious how many of them of these notices were sent to other people but uh it was uh it was uh pretty funny i he he probably had a couple couple sleepless nights not really like the thing is he's not worried about getting in trouble but more so that it like just the overall oh now here are sirens maybe some shit went down again we'll let you know about this next week but anyways he uh that probably drove him fucking crazy which is so funny okay so another new year's thing back to the new year um new year stuff there's another canadian there's more can con so this was a big like viral video that happened. So in this is in uh, Gatineau, Quebec. Gatineau is basically near Ottawa. So Ottawa, Ontario is the capital of Canada. And then on the other side of like the water is like you just go over this bridge and you're in Quebec and Quebec is like the all French speaking thing, province, French speaking thing anyway. So there's a party. So six people uh, we're having a New Year's Eve party. Pretty small, pretty small get together. Six people seems like definitely not worthy of the police showing up. But in Quebec, that is illegal. You're not allowed to have six people. So these people's neighbors called the cops on them for having, like, even if you don't agree with it, I guess people are very much like you know. It's kind of that thing where, uh, if you're ever in like, you know, a sc- elementary school or high school or something and then someone you go, like, hey, can you just like help me out? And they're like, no, I don't want to help you out. Like you have the notes for that day because you like did, skipped school and they're like, no, I don't want to give them to you. And you're like, why not? And they're like, I just don't want to give them to you because, you know, you, I just don't want to because I don't want to I don't want to give them to you kind of thing. Like this is one of the it, it's it's like people are just like, well, if I have to stay home then I'm going to call the police if you're... And it's not like... We're not talking about like some fucking giant rager. Like I kept reading about stuff in New York where where they were breaking up. Huge party. And just as an example too, in Miami, like Miami had giant indoor parties on New Year's Eve. The only thing, the only um, like health thing that they did is that there was a 1 a.m. curfew. So all these places had to close down, like all these bars and stuff had to close down at 1 a.m. on New Year's. That was like the big, big restriction, the big, uh, you know, like imposition that they were giving people. It was like, look, you can fucking rage it all you want, but at 1 a.m. you got to go to a house party. And a house party is totally legal. Nothing wrong with house parties. Like the cops aren't showing up to your door, but you just like you can't be at a bar or a restaurant after 1 a.m in Miami on New Year's or anywhere in Florida. Actually, I don't even think it's Miami. I think multiple places, most places in Florida were just whatever, up until 5 a.m. It's just specifically Miami was up until only one. Whereas, but anyway, so there's there's this video of the police show up. There's a party. These people are like, get the, they open the door. The police are like, you're having an illegal gathering, which here's the first thing. And I, maybe I don't know my, the laws specifically, but, if I was doing an, what I knew to be an illegal gathering on New Year's Eve 
and I was in Quebec and the cops showed up, I just would not answer the door. That seems to be your first mistake there is just don't open the door. Because if you don't open the door, you don't have to talk to them. You know they're not going to fucking like knock your door down. So I would just feel like just I would crank up the music, you know, and just keep enjoying. But so anyways, they talk the people who were there were dr- I'm sure they were drinking. They opened the door. The cops are like and I guess they said they're like oh the I think the wife was like, "You know, I thought worst case scenario we would get a warning when bef- like before the cops came." She was like, "You know, we're going to have some people over, but worst case scenario they give us a warning, we go home." So they showed up and they're just like they're like, we're going to start finding people and arresting people. At which point, one of the guys is like, starts getting in the face of this cop. They're all yelling. And there's this video of this guy getting like dragged out of his house while his like maybe father is or like is like holding on. Like the whole thing is like insane considering that it's all over just people gathering in a private residence. Now, and, and if you go on Twitter, People are pretty divided on this. Like, there isn't really a consensus. 50% of people are just like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's their right. And then everybody else is like, well, you know what? If they want to do that, then they need to give up. They need to sign away their right to go into the hospital. Which, by the way, I've been thinking about this. This whole issue with everything that's going on is purely politicians just mismanaging healthcare. Like, I can't help but think that if there was just more capacity, this wouldn't be such a crazy, crazy problem. They've had so long to deal with this because, you know, obviously we're in this crazy wave right now. They had so much time to deal with this this wave. They didn't really do anything. They just, you know, like they didn't do fucking shit all. And now they're like back to being like, hey, our hospitals are full again. You're like, why can't you turn... You know, all these like empty schools or whatever, just like there, there had to have been some alter option. But anyways, so then they're, they're pulling these people out of their houses. Apparently the cops had one of them tried to punch. But, you know, we've all everybody knows somebody who who's like didn't do anything. And then a cop just gave them a bullshit fucking like resisting assaulting police when you're like you know it's the kind of thing you're in a house and the cop grabs your arm and you pull your hand away and the cops like, oh, he just assaulted me. So anyways, people are getting kind of tired of this stuff, but then other people are like, yeah, that's totally what they deserve. There is there is not really not really a consensus here. Um but I can tell you that that shit would not that, that's a big difference between Canada and America for sure is that shit flies way less in America because and, and, you know, as much as people are like talk shit about Americans having guns, it's like cops just I don't know, they're cops are just not pulling people out of their houses for even in New York City, like New York City, there there was a few things on New Year's where there were all these like, you know, underground raves, like illegal raves and stuff where there was like, you know, in an industrial area with like 500 people. And yeah, they broke them up. But New, like, I don't think anywhere in America would even, I, and I could be wrong about this, but I don't think they'd even dare try and pull off something like where you're not allowed to have six people in your house. People just fucking would not have it here. They would not have it. So uh, if you're wondering what's going on in Canada... Lots going on. Here's another Canadian thing. I have a bunch of Canadian things, actually. Um, interesting enough. Uh, here, here's the uh, next one. So this is from CBC. So CBC, if you don't know, um, CBC is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. I've worked with them before. They used to be 
pretty good. They used to have some good stuff, mostly hockey, but they've lost their way. Um, less and less people watch it. It's they're not relevant. The only thing they can really say is they had they're like they made Shit's Creek, which you know good on them. They made Shit's Creek. That's a big international show. Nothing artistically, at least television wise, coming out of Canada is generally good. There's a lot of just like basic you know shit like some hospital procedural thing where you're like you can't even tell the difference between one and another but um it's almost like you know it's like it's like assembly line television where it just gets cranked out and you you see it and you're like this looks like another thing and you're like it's you watch it and then it's you know numbs you maybe i, I don't know but whatever they had shit's creek i don't I've, I've watched a few episodes it, it's fine but more importantly you know it's a big show i know lots of people watch it all over the world uh, but so anyways, they, they, but they put out like vice level, super like social justice, like insane articles that don't really make sense. And now the thing that pisses people off the most about the CBC stuff, especially if you're Canadian is like your tax money actually goes towards this. So like when you see something on vice, you'd be like, well, you know, these idiots advice are paying to make this. But the thing that pisses people off with CBC is they're like, yeah, even if I spent a penny on this, this is fucking nonsense. But so this article came out, uh, this was a couple days ago. It says, meet some of Toronto's food justice advocates championing black food sovereignty. I'm just going to read that again because I don't honestly, not going to lie, don't know really what that means. Meet some of Toronto's food justice advocates championing black food sovereignty. So it says, the current food system is not an equal playing field, advocate says, and it's by Sarah Jabakanji. I think that's a decent... So um, it talks about, you know, the, the food system is fragile and how hard hit racialized communities have been because of COVID-19 and that there's all these food uh, justice advocates, which I didn't know a food justice advocate is a type of advocate, advocate, but it seems like they're running out of stuff to advocate for. So now they're advocating for food justice. Like remember when they were just like advocating for like, we just need food. Like there's people who are starving. We need food. Now they're like, we need food justice. Like, it seems like it's it's getting, it's not that, like, it's hard to really sympathize with how bad it is because you're like, you're, you're not advocating for food. Now it's just food justice. But so they're saying they advocates uh, in Toronto's black community and they're pushing for long-term solutions to tackle inequities in Canada's uh, food system. They are pushing for food sovereignty. And then there's this person who defines food sovereignty as the right of people to healthy and culturally appropriate food. Now, one thing I'll say about this is, when they say culturally appropriate food, if you're, and I hope this doesn't come off as like, you know, racist or anything, because this would apply to lots of people, but like, if you're from a culture, which say, you know, because you're living in Canada, whose climate is hot all year round and has specific things that are unique to that climate, seems crazy that you just demand access to like you're like yeah we don't have that we're in canada it's fucking freezing in december we can't give you all the exact same things you would have had if you lived somewhere super hot but so they uh they talk about they go there's this notion is to create a black food ecosystem that will allow community members to be the drivers of their own development through farming and distributing food by them and for, so they're like, they're segregating, like they want to even segregate like produce, I guess. I Like this one I don't get because like, aren't you, uh, I don't know. It, 
this he just seems like just a bunch of gobbledygook. Like so they go, um, this guy's his organizations includes he's been working towards cultivating food sovereignty and security for Toronto's African, Caribbean, and Black communities as the current food system in place is not an equal playing field. Um, in a country as rich as Canada, we are supposed to make sure there is more equity in the food system. Is there? I, I never, I, I lived in Canada for 35 years. I never at one point heard anybody, even like the furthest left social justice person say that we are supposed to make sure that there is more equity in the food system. Like, I, like what are they saying? That they're just, like it says, like this guy, Lolo Lee says, the goal is for community members to be able to exercise self-empowerment and gain access to healthy, organic and culturally appropriate foods. But it's like, if these foods aren't available, like it, like you don't, you know, if someone's from, for example, say you're an immigrant in Canada and you're from Thailand or something and you're like, I have a right to durian, if you, especially if you're like, you know, it's not like I have a right to be able to purchase durian. You're saying like, essentially you're saying like, I guess you want the government to find, to subsidize you. And I don't know if you know what durian is. It's like the, the stinkiest... It's like this giant football-sized spike thing, and it smells like garbage. And it's it tastes like good, but then it's actually like nasty. It it tastes like it smells like uh, like burning sour garbage. Just just look it up. Like I was in Thailand, and they have a big thing all over Asia where you're like, you there's signs, and it says like you're not allowed to open a durian inside many places. Like they're so gross and stinky that you literally cannot open one up indoors. Like it's like a, a rule in many places. But so like the idea that someone's like, you know, I'm I'm from Thailand, I must I deserve for the government to provide me with durians. And you're like, yeah, we don't have those. We can't get you those. I'm sorry. But here's lots of other good food. The thing too is like Canada doesn't really have food. Like we don't have a type of food. We just have a mishmash of all these things. So uh so then it goes this is further it goes. Advocates say the level of food insecurity in black communities comes as a result of lack of control over access to food. And the extent to which black communities are structurally disadvantaged in Canadian societies. So, I mean, I'm sure they have many disadvantages. I'm certain of that. Uh, but I don't get what that what that has with specific foods. Like, like, is there a thing where they're like, "Look, okay, we can give you these foods," and they go, "No, no, no, we, we, those don't work for us." And I'm like, "Yeah, but these are good and they're nutritious, and you know, you need food and." We can provide them. They go, nope, no, no, no. We need uh, food sovereignty. Like the the thing is, is like this is just this 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 is article seems like it was written by like a social justice article word generator thing where it just threw a bunch of things together. Because you know you read this article, and I mean, if you look at the Twitter comments too, most people are like. What the fuck did I just read? I don't even get it. Like, they're basically saying, you know, we cannot really... Here's another thing. We cannot really determine and talk about food without really understanding the systemic racism, racism that this country is built upon because the accessibility to financial equity, accessibility to land, and those things are not necessarily offered to us. But you're like, yeah, you live in downtown Toronto. Yeah, there's not a lot of farming land for anybody. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, I, you know, people who want to live, you know, and like I, I've been to the rural parts of Canada. Let me tell you, pretty fucking white areas. You don't see a lot of like, you know, minorities or people of color or whatever wanting to move to like the boonies. But if you want to, lots of lots of room for you to grow durians or whatever the fuck. I guess black people don't want to eat durians. Maybe they do. Maybe that's part of their food sovereignty. I have no idea. But anyways, I I, I can just go on. This whole thing is like you just read it and 
it's it's really just one of those things where you read and you go like I I don't I don't get it. Like I don't I don't get what you're asking for. Like you want more black foods? Like I don't know what that is. And then obviously people would be like saying racist things cuz people don't think there's certain foods that black people like. I don't I don't know what those are. So don't ask me, but I don't stay up on that kind of stuff. Oh, here we go. There's uh, someone says and uh, is addressing this through. There, they have eight acre land in a kind of northwestern Toronto, which com- produces cultural staples like okra, gailan, and kalaloo. I mean, I guess you can make some of those things, but it's, it seems nonsense. Okay, no more talking about that. Cosmopolitan. Uh, Cosmopolitan. They the magazine just released they did this cover thing so it's becoming pretty in i don't know i was gonna say in vogue which is that's the name of a different fashion magazine uh you know to celebrate the people who are not a traditional body type or whatever like basically like me i'm like a model now somehow like in some and i I was gonna say alternate reality but it's not an alternate reality because you see stuff and you're like uh, like, like soon enough, there'll be guys who look like me fucking... And, like, I would just like to fully say this because I was making fun of this thing. I don't think I'm the healthiest person in the world, right? Like, you know, I, I could definitely stand to lose some pounds. Uh, I'm not, like, celebrating my body. I don't think I'm fucking, like, morbidly obese or anything like that. But, so, Cosmopolitan has this uh, cover, and they go, this is healthy, Uh 11 women on why wellness doesn't have to be a one-size-fits-all. And then, like, they have, like, some legitimately, like, morbid... I don't know if it would be, like, morbidly obese, but, like, they're not healthy. Like, this is they're, they're not, like, pillars of health. Are they, you know, about to die tomorrow? Sure, probably not. But these aren't people who's, like, have the highest quality of life. Should they necessarily be, like, shamed for how they look? No, but, like... I don't think we should be like applauding them for being like, hey, you're like a 250 pound woman. Like, that's like maybe like we should uh, maybe be like agnostic on it. Like, maybe like that's where we can meet in the middle and just be like, look, we're just going to let you do you. And that's fine. But now they're like, no, we need to celebrate these women. I mean, like, literally, this is the cover of Cosmo. Like, if you look at Cosmo, Cosmo, like, up until three years ago, it was like Angelina Jolie, Jennifer Aniston, like, and now it's just like, just these giant women. Uh, if only fucking married with children was still going on, there there could be something going on. There. Like the idea, like if if we could just get Al Bundy, if anybody knows Ed O'Neill, just can you get him to? I, I know I it's ludicrous me even saying this on this podcast, but who knows? Maybe someone watches this. Maybe Ed O'Neill's going on, scrolling through YouTube late one night, but. If you could just make some sort of video of you looking at this Cosmopolitan magazine of these giant women. And two, it's like, you know, a lot of people made this point, but you're like, there, there's a real relationship right now between COVID and obesity. Like, like, they're, like you know, if you're a fat old person right now, you got to watch the fuck out because COVID is, is going to kill you. And then Cosmopolitan's like, you know what? Just because you put on 100 pounds in quarantine, you're still healthy. You're a model of health. People were really, people were really uh, enjoying that one, though, which I found pretty funny. Um, 
And then back to Canada. I know I said that this is going to be a very CanCon episode. So this is another thing. So here's another CBC thing. So CBC had this uh, this all-female sketch show. I can't remember what it's called. It's one of those things where, like, nobody actually watches it, but, like, we have to pretend in Canada like everybody loves it. Um, fuck, what's it called? It's like everybody's like, it's like a female kids in the hall. They did have some decent... Uh, I'm googling this right now. They did have some decent sketches. I'm not gonna lie. I'm probably being, being mean on it. Uh, I can't even. What's it called? Female. Oh, Baroness von Sketch Show. That's what it's called. So it's like it got all these awards in Canada. Everybody's like, you know, it's got all these awards. But if you just stop somebody on the street and you're like, have you heard of the show? They'd be like, no. And CBC has like such bad ratings. I just read actually that the ratings are like as low as they've basically ever been. Like they have like less than 4% of people watch their shit, but they're, you know, they're paid for by the government. So they keep cranking this stuff out, but it's all very like, you know, social justice, blah, blah, blah. So this Baroness Von Sketch Show, which I will say, I know lots of people who have worked on it. It did have some funny sketches, but it's just one of those shows where you're like, it's not moving the needle. It's not like some show where people are being like, oh, this is amazing. It's just content that's being put out. Uh, there's an agenda behind it, which is like, they're like, we have to get an all women's get show, that kind of thing. But so I think the show's done. And then some of those people are now doing their own show. So, so there was, uh, there was this show, it's called Pretty Hard Cases with, I think one of the women who was on the show. It used to be called Lady Dicks. That was the original title was Lady Dicks because they're women detectives, right? And you go, huh, Lady Dicks, that seems... Just to play on words, lady detectives, lady dicks, they, they get to swear in the title. You know, that's the big thing is you're like, oh, this is so subversive is we're, we're, we're getting a swear in there. It's like Shit's Creek kind of, right? It's like we're getting, we're getting a kind of swear in the title and you're going to have to say, if you want to talk about our show, you're going to have to say lady dicks. And then like two people probably complained. Right, so then they changed the name of it to Pretty Hard Cases. This is where they said they go, the original title, and it's like a comedy show. You're supposed to be like, is this going to be like, like, you know, how good could this comedy show really be if if you're, like, not even willing to have a title that's even, like, slightly edgy? They go, the original title for our clever women detective show is not as accessible as we originally conceived. In speaking with gender rights activists, imagine you have a comedy show and the first thing you do is you go, well, I wonder what gender rights activists think about our comedy show. It goes, in speaking with gender rights activists, we learned about the derogatory use of those two words together, and the last thing we want to do is to further harm. I mean, not only the two words together, but the just individually, the term lady and dicks, those are not words that are used positively generally. Uh, and then they go, uh, want to cause further harm to a group of already marginalized people. We have a fun, smart, and entertaining show with a stellar cast. We want audiences to feel comfortable with saying and hearing the name. In the end, we bring you Pretty Hard Cases, a story about two headstrong women who take on guns, gangs, and drugs in a first-of-its-kind police show. We're so proud and excited for the show to premiere on CBC this winter. Uh, and then the next tweet was, this show has already been canceled. No, it hasn't. The thing is, they don't cancel shows on CBC because they're not based on ratings. They don't have to do well. They don't, I, I, like, I've known about shows at CBC, and like, they literally, like, you could have 50 fucking people watching them, and they're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, the government's paying for it. Taxpayers are paying for it. Our job isn't to make good shit. Our job is to just make stuff. And it doesn't have to be good. It's crazy, too, because they used to, they have, in the past, made some decent stuff. I'm not going to lie, though. Like Most of the stuff that they've cranked out has been not great. 
I mean, there's no reason why I live in America now is because, you know, we were making stuff on CBC when I was living there and it was pretty good compared to the other stuff. And they just couldn't give a shit because it was just a bunch of white guys. And they're like, yeah, this is this isn't really uh, furthering any sort of agenda. You know, all we're doing is just giving white guys more spots on TV, which is not good. So anyways, tune into pretty hard cases. Uh, before it gets canceled, which it well again not get canceled, but it just might not get renewed. Although it might, because y- what are you gonna? You want to be the guy who tells a fucking women-based comedy show that they're getting canceled after one season? Yeah, you're gonna fucking have a PR nightmare on your hands. Okay, that's been the episode. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. This is it. That that was episode forty. It's a new year. Uh, thanks for everybody who's listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Leave me a review. All that shit. I will see you soon. Bye-bye.